and WQHD HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Glad you're joining us for this special two-hour live episode of Street Soldiers at this critical time in our country, day 13 of what I'm calling the Great Awakening since the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We've seen protests. We've seen people coming out, speaking out from all different backgrounds, and it's been pretty amazing. We are focusing on the protests and also the coronavirus pandemic and what comes next. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me at Lisa Evers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're going to be live streaming in just a moment on Instagram and taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Day 13 since George Floyd was killed by police in Minneapolis. And never has the call for justice and an end to systemic violence been louder, stronger, more diverse, systemic racist violence, and more united. The cry Black Lives Matter is ringing out from coast to coast and even painted on the street right in front of the White House with the blessing of the mayor of Washington, D.C. The murder of George Floyd was like a switch from the way I see it that turned on a bright, harsh spotlight on America's institutionalized racism. It also showed everyone the trauma, pain, and fear long-suffering communities of color have had to deal with for far too long. There have been so many lives stolen too soon, like Breonna Taylor, and going back years and decades to Amadou Diallo and beyond. There's so many more, as Papoose so brilliantly highlighted in his song, Tribute. We're going to be hearing from Papoose later on in the show. This weekend, tens of thousands of peaceful protesters filled the streets of New York City, the nation's capital, and other cities around the country, making urgent demands for an end to police brutality and the passage of real police reforms. There's some de developments in cracking down on cops who break the law and creating real accountability for police in New York State and the nation. We're going to get into all that with Attorney Charles Tucker Jr. and New York State Assemblyman and Congressional Candidate Michael Blake. The other issue facing us, the coronavirus pandemic, while New York State hit a record low number of deaths in one day, under 50, 18 other states, mostly in the South and the West, plus Puerto Rico, saw a rise in cases with the continuing protests and crowds, uh, keeping people shoulder to shoulder for hours in close contact. Um, and there's concerns about new cases. We'll see what's going to happen. New York City is scheduled for a phase one reopening after the COVID-19 shutdown. And uh, let's start right there with Dr. Manny. Dr. Emmanuel Manny Fambu is a medical doctor with an MBA, surgeon and best-selling author of the book, The Future of Healthcare. Uh, Dr. Manny, thank you for being with us again. We appreciate it. Um, and you've been with us and given us so much great advice throughout this whole coronavirus crisis. When you look at what's going on in society, around the country and in New York, do we really still need to be worried about the coronavirus? Because a lot of people, things are feeling, you know, a lot of people keep saying to me, things are feeling almost back to normal. Do we still need to be concerned? Yes, we still need to be concerned. Um, Lisa, we always had this conversation about the second wave, right? Uh, and we know that uh, when we get back to the flu season, um, you know, combined with what we have experienced with COVID-19, that we might see a spike. Remember, if, even if we have one person that is still a carrier of this virus, you can still get other people sick, right? So it is a great thing that the numbers are going down. Um, it, it's a great thing that we have more public awareness. Um, even if you look um, at uh, a lot of uh, the protests that were taking place, 
People were more aware, right? People have face masks on. Pretty much everybody. Every, everywhere I went and was covering, um, I saw face masks. Correct. So, so we do have more awareness, uh, which, which is what is key. If you look at, uh, like in March, for example, where we had no idea this was actually among, among, amongst us. We had the highest numbers of deaths and people were getting infected. But I think we have a lot more awareness uh, today. And I do understand, uh, I've seen people, I mean, people reached out to me with questions. I'm sure. Correct. Such as, oh, we have all these protests uh, going on. We have to remember uh, the protests, a combination of multiple things triggered, right? We had, uh, you know, the cleaning of George Floyd as that, that's, that straw that broke the camel's back, <laughs> right? So this is not something that people had no idea about. This is systemic racism we talked about, right? If you look at the number of deaths among uh, the African-American community from COVID-19, it's significantly high. We've been talking about this, right? About what happened in certain neighborhoods like the Bronx and Brooklyn, right? Even New York City to look at how many people died from this particular virus. We know um, that uh, many African-Americans have decreased access to healthcare. This has been shown by number of deaths from hypertension, heart failure, uh, you know, having asthma. We know this. We know that a lot of the front work Workers, frontline workers come from minority communities and they've been out there working and getting sick and getting infected. Our bus drivers, right? Um, our park workers, we know this. And so all these things happening plus the record unemployment trigger people to go out and, and fight. And, and the deaths from, uh, you know, the hands of, uh, of the police uh, among uh, African Americans, it's a public health issue, right? So, so these are combinations of things that, yes, people should go out and fight for, for, for what they believe in and make change. Right. And so I think it's one of those cost benefit analysis pieces. I think it was necessary um, to get it done. And I think that um, we should just be aware of what happens and protect ourselves going forward. Now, you've been saying since day one, when you first came on the show in March to help us understand everything that was going on with the coronavirus and how we could protect ourselves and, and, and basically just what were the facts and what weren't the facts because there was so much conflicting information that we saw in Louisville, Kentucky, where Breonna Taylor was was shot and killed by police there, who, by the way, are still on the job getting paid. Um, she uh, she was an EMT. The healthcare workers, the, the medical school students in the community where she was working came out as part of the protests and were saying that racism is a public health emergency. That's something you've been saying too. What, what do, what do people mean? What do you mean when you say racism is a public health emergency? When you are, you know, when you work in the, in the field of medicine and you see, uh, you have new drugs and new procedures available in the market that are not accessible to minority communities and um, you know and people that are less privileged or have less access uh, you know to money look at something like simple testing for covid-19 right we know the celebrities and some of the wealthy individuals had access to tests right um, the poorer people and minority communities had no access to tests. People had to drive, you know, from places in the Bronx and Brooklyn to certain areas. They were the last, the, the communities most at risk were the last ones to get the testing. Correct. Were, were the last ones to get the testing. I mean, so, so that, that's one aspect of things that we have visible, right? Police brutality and killings are something that we see, right? And, and that's something that you could catch, capture video of. What happens in your cell level, right? Um, when it comes to hypertension, uh, the amount of sugar that people uh, that consume and last, access to, uh, we have to about food deserts, right? What people eat in our communities that kills people on a daily basis. That's not visible on a, on a camera. You can take a video of this, right? But healthcare workers see this every single day. And so a lot of people are dying from that. So I think this has to be a systemic issue that we have to address overall. To find access to healthcare, access to you know, to for everyone else to just live a normal life. So we need to fight these things on both fronts.
So there's some people that say that we we know like stress, we, we're hearing over and over again that stress can lead to other diseases and other health consequences. If you are dealing as a black person in America with a constant stress of not knowing, am I being judged by my behavior, by my credentials, by my work, by who I am as a human being, or am I being judged because of the color of my skin? Does that kind of stress, does that stress from just this in the systemic racism, does that take a toll on your actual physical health, in your opinion? Of course. Um, stress is actually one of the biggest um, contributors to, to things like hypertension, right? Even more than actually if you look at uh, salt and, and everything else that you have with diet. So if you think about stress um, as a whole, imagine every, like a mother, um, you know, watching your son go out. And I, I just saw a video actually this, this morning of uh, a 90 year old grandmother watching her son getting pulled over for a traffic light violation, right? And he came out of the car and the cops had the, the guns out. And this 90 year old lady had to literally fall over her, her son to prevent them, the grandson to say, please don't shoot, right? Um, every time you get pulled over, a gun is pulled on your head, right? That, that's the first interaction for every single interaction they have. I mean, I was, I've said myself, this I, my mom actually had no idea about cops pulling the guns on my head on multiple occasions until I said it on the radio <laughs> on the last time, right? And so she's all stressed out about it. So I didn't want to tell her, right? But these are things that happen on a day-to-day basis. I've experienced it and everyone experienced this, right? What is wrong with having a simple conversation with another human? Why is it that any simple violation, you have to pull a gun out to have a simple conversation? That's not, that should not be the default status of where we go. And we are talking about people dying from this. Imagine how many people have broken bones. Right, punch faces, black eyes, just from the police officers that do not actually die, but have uh, mental damage from this kind of interactions. These things lead to stress that leads to, di- to, to things like diabetes and, and hypertension. Plus, there's also the there's also the aspect of it too, where I think I think from from what I have heard and what black friends have told me is that there's a thing of like you don't want to talk about it too much because it it's so painful. Number one, and number two, if you're a mixed company, you don't want to talk about it because it makes everybody super uncomfortable. But that's the very dialogue. And the very conversation that we're having in America right now. No, no I agree with you, Lisa. And, and plus, if you imagine um, being like a black man in America right now and you're terrified, right? And for, for the other reasons we talked about. And now you have mental health, of course, because right. you're terrified. You're paranoid. About Every day. Officers. You don't know. If you, you run a light, you're going to get a gun put to right. you. That's so what they pull you, we pull you over. You're nat- naturally scared. And when you run, they, they still shoot you. Right. Without you even having a gun. Even if you run, they shoot you in the back. We right. have multiple cases of this happening. <laughs> right. So how do we how do we go through this and how do we handle it? On the bright side, you've seen a lot of corporations uh, today coming up, uh, corporations that in the past uh, did not speak up. Right. And now you see people speak up. Right. As I saw an exchange this morning with Jeff Bezos from Amazon, where people are complaining because Amazon has Black Lives Matter on his website, uh, for example. Right. Yes. People were challenging. Many, many companies do. Correct. And people were challenging Bezos and says, hey, uh, all lives matter. And, and Bezos responded with a perfect response. And, and, the, and the argument here is Black Lives Matter does not mean all lives don't matter. Right. Right. Um, saying that women have women need uh, equal pay does not mean that men that don't need m- men equal don't need pay. equal pay. That, that's not the argument. <laughs> right. It's the same kind of saying that people deserve a minimum wage uh, at a certain amount of dollars does not mean that other people should not get paid. So it's a completely different conversation that we have. And the point here is, and for the for the first time, watching on TV and watching people out in this protest is the most beautiful thing ever. In the front Isn't line, it? people they are not blacks in the front line. We have whites in the front line. We have Asians in the front line. I think the new generation is completely different, right? And it's not going. Thank God. So it's beautiful to watch. Thank God. And we're going to talk about uh, later on the show, too. We're going to talk about all this energy, all this passion.
passion, all this momentum that is here right now, how that is starting to get channeled into real action and also how you can empower yourself so it's not just another case of all the protests and then what really changes. No, I think this time around it's really going to change. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. I'm Lisa Evers, your host for Street Soldiers. We're streaming live on Instagram, at Lisa Evers. Dr. Manny with us, uh, taking your telephone calls. And we got some special guests for you, too, coming up. Stay with us. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Dr. Manny is with us. We are, <coughs> excuse me, one day, that's not a COVID cough. That's a talking too much and not sleeping enough cough. Um, we are talking about the coronavirus. Re- we're reopening New York City finally, phase one tomorrow. We're talking about the protests. We're talking about what I'm calling uh, the Great Awakening. So many people, so many of these issues that I feel like we have been talking about here on Street Soldiers for years and years and years and years. I finally feel like real change is going to happen. I have to believe that because there's just been too many deaths, too much tragedy, too much pain. And we have the resources in this country to make sure that everybody has equal rights to a healthy life, to a safe life. And to an education, a basic education. That's what I think. That's my, that's my opinion. So thank you to everybody. So many people have been calling me and texting me and, and, and sending me DMs about, um, us talking about this. Cause we've been talking about this on Street Soldiers. I started the show more than 20 years ago. We had one of the first, uh, examples. There were cases. One of the first, uh, situations I covered as a reporter for 1010 Wins Radio News Reporter was the, uh, the murder of Amadou Diallo in the Bronx. And uh, where he 41 bullets were aimed at him, 19 hit his body. And uh, it's it's just, you know, these tragedies, they take a toll on everybody and especially in our communities of color where this is a daily reality for people and a, and a daily fear. So I'm so happy to see so many people from all different backgrounds uh, coming out to support our black community. And uh, we're taking your telephone calls, 1-800-223-9797. Do you have any COVID questions? Because, uh, you know, things are changing all of a sudden. I'm, I'm so happy to see so many protesters wearing masks, too. That's a very good thing. But uh, what about when it's time to go back to work? Are you going to feel some kind of way when you go in there? Like, uh, I don't know if I need to do this or do that. Give us a call, 1-800-223-9797. That's one 800 223 97, 97. Dr. Mandy, let's talk about the reopening because they're doing, you know, the subway. They want to put sanitizer, hand sanitizer stations there. They want people to sit, which I don't know how that's ever going to work, but, you know, keep hope alive. One seat, keep one empty seat in between each other. As we go into this phase one, which it already looks like to me, a lot of places have opened and, and people are out and about a whole lot more. What are your concerns as we start to have more people circulating like this? I think the concern is um, you're asking people to police themselves, right? So imagine, first, the, the first thing, imagine catching the subway and you have to sit, you know, six feet from each other, whatever the distance, the distance is. I see someone trying to get close to someone and someone has a different idea what six feet is or what it, the distance should be. And I see, you know, conflicts already starting from that angle <laughs> before you get to work, right? Uh, at the same time, I understand the need for people to get back to work and to get back to normal. 
I think slowly over time uh, you see just essential workers uh, returning to work or people have alternative days. You come to work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Someone else comes Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, but it's very hard to control that within the, uh, the transportation system, right? So I, I think companies that can afford to have people work from home should continue having people work from home just to you know, decrease uh, the burden on the system. Uh, but as we reopen, the key thing to keep in mind is um, if there's any spike, <laughs> right, in, uh, in new cases, then we have to go think, have the same mindset of going back to, to complete lockdown, right? What about the, pro- what about with the, uh, with the protests and with all the crowds? Are, do you, honestly, I want your, I want your honest, real opinion, not that you never give us anything else, but it's the summer, the weather's warm. People are outside. It's not like there's 10,000 people inside a convention center with locked, no windows and no air circulation. Is it, is, and most of the people, vast majority are wearing masks. Is there a real problem there? Actually, the, the, the protests, um, have been a very interesting, uh, thing that's happened, right? That will give us, uh, the answer to that question, right? So, so. In what, like two weeks, three weeks, two four weeks, weeks? Yeah, exactly. Maybe another week from now. It's already been a week since people have been out, right? So a week from now, we will see if they had increased in new cases and like spikes in certain areas, right? And the protests were nationwide. So we can't say it was only, you know, Minneapolis or, I mean, it happened in New York, it happened in DC, um, right in different parts of Florida, everywhere. So I, I think a week from now, we'll find out what will happen if people come close to each other and they actually have face masks and follow proper care. Now, some of the governors have said, uh, if you've been at a protest, if you've been in a big gathering, you should get a coronavirus test, even if you have no symptoms. Isn't that going too far? Well, it's not going too far. It's not possible. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not possible. We don't even have enough tests for, for healthcare workers. And there've been problems with some of the tests, right? Correct. And the reliability have, we, of the yeah, tests. Yeah, we have problems with some of the tests. <laughs> and, and, and so I, interestingly, um, during like during this protest, there was, what, first of all, there were a lot of young people that were out there, right? Um, the one, and so it's not necessarily the highest risk uh, population. Um, that's one, um, and hopefully, you know, when they got home, they probably uh, followed proper procedures, you know, of not getting if they had elder. Family members that were home was, or sick, or, or sick ones, right? They didn't get in compromised. Um, that's so that's good. Um, and so let's see what happens in that particular case. But I, I think this will help uh, actually determine what happens in the summer. If we have a flattening of cases, I think in the summer the rules might actually change differently. All right, let's take some phone calls. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Let's go to Royal right now. Royal, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for being the street soldier you are. First of all, almost. I appreciate that. Thank you. We need more. We need more sisters like you. Thank you. My question this morning is: How many complaints before a cop is taken? How many complaints does a cop have to have before he's taken off the streets? Okay, that's gonna. I'm gonna answer that because, and also, uh, that's something we're gonna talk about with New York State Assemblyman Michael Blake because there's a package of police reforms that is expected to be introduced into the New York State Assembly this week, and there's also Democrats um, in Congress who are looking to have a national uniform police reform package that so that there would be a national registry like a sex offender registry, a national registry of police misconduct so that they couldn't go from one state to another state. Because right now, the way that it stands, according to the uh, Department of Justice, there's no national compilation of, of cases where unarmed people of color 
have died at the hands of police. So it's quite possible, like with George Floyd, would we have heard about that if there had been no video? How many other cases, a lot of places in other parts of the country, rural places, we have no idea what was just a local a local story or maybe not even have gotten the attention, um, you know, where, where some injustice was done and we don't even know about it. So there's a lot of progress in that area. And the answer to your question is right now, there's no number of times. There's no like three strikes and you're out or three verified complaints and you're out. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. But Royal, thank you so much for, for uh, raising that question. And also I want to say it was, it was really encouraging this weekend, Dr. Manny, to see that so many of the protests were peaceful. There have been, and I, I want to shout out the NYPD officers that have taken a knee, that have been doing a really great job with trying to keep protesters safe. There are others, however, who seem to be on their own agenda in terms of how they're handling protesters. Uh, there have been more than 300 police officers who have uh, been injured over the course of the last two weeks. And there are others that have really crossed the line, pushing and shoving protesters, One in one case pulling off a mask and then tear, you know, spraying them with a pepper spray. These types of things, the car incident we know about, um, other, other instances that people have been talking about. And uh, they need to be disciplined, and they need to be disciplined uh, quickly. So 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Dennis right now. Dennis, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? All right, how are you? Good morning, Dr. Manny. Morning. I just have a question. Uh, what is the current percentage, uh, and, and not to dwell on anything negative, but just so that I'm aware, what is the percentage of a uh, uh, increase of this COVID-19? As of today, you mean like where where are we with the statistics? Okay, thank thank you so much. I appreciate it. What about that, Doctor Manny? So statistics wise, we, we know that we crossed uh, over a million uh, people. So the numbers have been uh, slow to come in because of all the protests that's been happening, right? So you, we used to get like the daily updates, right? Um, but 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 since. Uh, we have the, the, the protests happening. I think the attention has completely shifted. Um, but, but over, we know we have over a hundred thousand deaths. Um, and we have over, um, a million, um, you know, you know, cases. We crossed that threshold, um, uh, a while ago. And, uh, these, uh, the people affected are predominantly still in the African American community. <laughs> and so that has not, that, that has not changed. That part of it is not changed. Correct. Yeah, it's not changed. But on the bright side of it, we know that uh, yesterday, for example, I, I think in New York City for the first time since March 11th, they recorded the first day without any deaths um, from, from COVID-19. So that, that's a great thing. That is a huge thing. 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to our Hot 97 Newsmaker line right now uh, with attorney Charles Tucker Jr. Uh, Charles is the uh, founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group and also a former prosecutor with the Brooklyn DA's office. Charles, thanks for being with us. Uh, good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Good morning. We've got Dr. Manny here with us as well. Um, Charles, last Sunday, you told us that there was a good chance to charges against Derek Chauvin, the police officer who put the knee on George Floyd taking his life, might be upgraded. That's exactly what happened. You also said uh, there would likely to be charges against the other police officers. Um, what do you think about how that was handled and, and how how fast or how slow it was? Because a lot of people thought it was too slow. Well, yeah, it was definitely too slow from the public's uh, perspective. Uh, but, you know, the game change when you have the attorney general coming in, uh, some a heavyweight like Keith Ellison with the background that he has, you know, uh, with the ability to kind of look at it from a fresh perspective, 
and then upgrade the charge almost immediately on Derek Chauvin and then get the other officers charged. Uh, it, it was a powerful message, but it really gave the impression that he was going to do a uh, more aggressive uh, nature in really taking advantage of what he believed he had an opportunity to kind of review, go through, and make an assessment that he could prove these charges uh, with a jury uh, for each of these officers. Now, Charles, all four of them are being held on $1 million bail. So there's no 10% or anything like that from what I understand. But in terms of actually prosecuting the case, they're in jail. They've been arraigned. What's the, or, or whatever's the next step? What is the next step? And like, what's a normal timeline? And what's the timeline you think is going to happen here? Great, great question, Lisa. <sighs> Especially for, for these kind of cases, the normal timeline is not something, you know, you're probably looking at a good six to nine months uh, because the defense now has an opportunity, depending how long. Uh, these individuals remain in in jail uh, without the ability to make bail. Uh, if they do make bail, the timeline could kind of increase. Uh, uh, but uh, the fact that they remain in jail, you know, keeps the clock running uh, for the prosecution to kind of move forward with trial because they are entitled to a speedy trial. So it, it's it's. You know, it would be incumbent upon the prosecution to move forward quickly and efficiently to get this trial on the way. But to be honest with you, there'll be uh, there'll be some different strategies that defense could start using. They'll be uh, filing motions to dismiss. Uh, they'll be attacking the indictment uh, that Attorney uh, General has put forward uh, on each of his officers trying to get certain things dismissed trying to get some of the evidence dismissed. Uh, so that will, you know, push this out to me. I I would be surprised if we see this trial uh, before 10 to 11 months uh, out. They, it could be, and, and may even be a little longer, Lisa, depending on how everything goes. And, and Charles, uh, I, I've also been following, th- thanks for joining us again. Um, I've been following this case, about even, even, even when the trial takes place, I've already started hearing things about moving the trial outside of Minneapolis, where you have yeah. a predominantly uh, white jury, right? And we know what happens most of the times when they move things out. Uh, so what do you think about that? I change of venue, Charles. Is right. that, is that uh, something that would be possible? Great question. Um, I was thinking the same thing. You know, <laughs> now, now I'm a defense attorney. I, I really think of the six. All right. So, so let, let me ask you this: If you if you're if you're representing the cops, do you want the do you want a change of venue? I would probably have to file that motion, Lisa. To be honest, the problem now is the fact that you have all these nationwide protests. Where are you going to, you know, do this trial on Mars? That's you know, true. because quite, you know, you no longer have that ability to say, well, you know, there's a county in that state where the people are not going to be as informed. It's been on worldwide news. You have protests and news, you know, across the world. So, uh, plus so honest, many, plus uh, so many whites involved in these protests too. So many, so, so I, many. I, I, you're not going to be able. They're not going to be able. 
which is, Absolutely. Which, is polit- which politicizes things, right? Because you, you'll be, you'll be, um, you know, you, you think that people understand this as a protest thing, and then they understand. I, literally, I mean, I have, um, I won't call him a friend anymore, but like, uh, like a colleague Whoa. personally is down in Vegas, and I'll tell you, during all these things happening, he sends me, he, I'll have, we have a business conversation, and he sends me a message about. Oh, there are more black people that die from abortions than die from police ants. Things like this. Like he doesn't even get oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh my god! And he thinks he thinks he's like supporting me. Like he, he like he believes this. Like it, so, there are people out there <laughs> that are completely missing it. You blocked them on your phone. Yeah, right? I did. That's what okay, good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just let me, let me but let me, let me talk, get back to the case because the Charles because you you were worked as a you were started out or, or worked at one point as, as a prosecutor. Why is it so hard? And this was one of the questions Royal was asking other people. Why is it, has it been so hard in cases that seem very mm. obvious to get charges, a charges brought against police officers and to get cases against them that actually end up going to court? Which is the systemic problem that we have, uh, you know, just did a panel up at Southern New Hampshire University uh, this past week where we just talked about this. It's a broken system, Lisa. Um, and that's part of the problem that, you know, moving forward has to be addressed. The broken system is the fact that you have officers who commit, uh, a, you know, acts, uh, you commit wrongdoing. Uh, the police department themselves, in, in a lot of regards, uh, do not come out and speak. Uh, you have the blue wall of silence that exists uh, that needs to be dismantled. And, uh, you know, you ha- it, it, it becomes a situation where the prosecution is now up against these police departments uh, where on every other case they work hand in hand. Uh, so it, it becomes a hurdle almost. And then in a lot of respects, the prosecution does not get the co- without the cooperation. A lot of these cases, you don't get the videos, right. you know, that you right. have in, in, in this case. I mean, right. look at Yeah. Look at the situation in, in uh, Atlanta, um, you know, with that. And uh, I mean, it's the fact that it took several pro, you know, prosecutorial offices to come in and look at Ahmaud Aubrey's case, you know. Right. And, and right. Exactly. Video, oh, it, the fact that, you know, that's that shows, Lisa, how bad. The system is broken, you know, and and one of the offices or in fact, I believe two of the offices that put pen to paper as to justification why uh, uh, charges should not be brought against these individuals it, it is tragic. But so, the problem is. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, yeah. The problem is it, it's really even after you get uh, a case successfully, uh, you know, charged and put forward, it's very hard because. The mindset, you know, the mindset, as doctor pointed out, in regards of the public, you know, uh, the ability to really look at the officers and and see the conduct for what it is. You know, that's how you have cases in Baltimore, the Freddie Gray. You know, the question remains yeah. whether those individuals were overcharged. Um, uh, uh, it's important for prosecutors to charge what they know they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's important uh, and, for people and, to understand, as you as you always as you've told us, the is that it's not about what we see on the video or what common sense tells us, but it's about what they can prove. Absolutely. And it, 
that. And then really in educating the jury, you, it, the, 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 educating the jury almost from the inception of the jury pool when they're selected as a potential jury. Weed out the ones that have that predisposition, as Doctor pointed out, of you know they they just don't believe. Get them out of there, you know, and making sure you have a fair and impartial jury as best as you can. Uh, because to be honest with you, Lisa, for the first time, I think the ground is broken where you could start having individuals who probably have an open mind uh, and probably can look at this uh, from an open perspective and give prosecutions uh, a fair and opportunity to hold individuals accountable across the board. All right, Charles, uh, one final question. Oh, did you have something, Dr. No, Mayer? no, I, I just want to add to what, to what Charles said, right? And, and it's this mentality also of how we, we look up to our institutions, right? There are people that will say, hey, my, my brother or sister or my grandfather was a police officer, so that means I want to hold up, you know, that, that badge. And same argument that happened in the NFL, right? When, when uh, Kaepernick yeah, was, was a protesting, for example, they took the yeah, right. conversation into a flag conversation. It's not against the flag. There's nothing, we're not, right? So there's always this displacement right. issues when you have something right. and you put it on something right. else. And so people realize. And look at what he started. Maybe shout out to Colin. And the NFL is not apologizing, right? So it's right. That, I think it's that mindset. And it makes you realize Four that, years it took, that there's no such thing as, uh, as fair and balanced uh, justice. This is not fair, right? Because the, the, the threshold that uh, officer, uh, how people look at officers, is completely different than if you were an African American showed up in the same courtroom in front of the same jury. Exactly, Charles. What about in terms of the um, in, in terms of the people? So, some people in New York have gotten summonses, uh, you know, for for yeah. misdemeanors in terms of yes. because of protesting. What do they need to? I mean, if you get arrested, you know what to do because they're t- putting you through the system, unfortunately. But in term, you know, for the people that are getting it like this unlawful assembly, these kind of summonses, uh, what what do they need to do about that? Right. Well, uh, in a lot of instances, you know, uh, <laughs> it's 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 tragic. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's unfolding. I mean, I've, I've been you know you've been inundated uh, locally down here and in D.C. and Baltimore trying to assist those uh, that have gotten similar arrests. Um, What happens is a lot of times, sometimes those charges, uh, Lisa, are like violations where they show and they pay a fine. Um, Some have, you know, the disorderly conduct charges and sometimes carry community service, uh, depending on what, you know, what court they happen to be in. Uh, and, And other times they carry the fine as well. Uh, so it's, they have to make sure they show up to court. They cannot miss court dates. Uh, it's going to be kind of tricky, uh, coming out of this COVID-19 of, of how the courts kind of, you know, open back up and start getting these, uh, court dates moving forward, but they cannot miss the court date. Uh, it complete the community service and, you know, pay whatever fine in a timely manner to avoid something small becoming something major. Like turning uh, a lot into of a warrant? Could, can those turn into a warrant? Like if you ignore the... It can. Uh, so, so the court date, it turns automatically into a bench warrant. Uh, Failed to do the community service. Uh, could, you know, impact the criminal record. Uh, a lot of times these charges are misdemeanors, punishable by six to nine months uh, in jail. Uh, the failure to complete the community service could be a violation of the agreement. Uh, you know, because a lot of these cases are going to be pleaded out. I can I can definitely imagine uh, if some of them are, you know, just showing up, uh, speaking to the prosecution. Uh, you know, a person has a clean record. 
uh, both charges uh, have a good chance, depending on their defense. So, so bottom, actually, okay, Charles, yeah. I got to wrap this up with you. But so, so bottom yeah. bottom line with that is people people need to read to, they need to read the summons, see, and make sure they yeah. they put the date in their phone with an alert, so they know what yeah. they, and and not not, not ignore not it, right? Not ignore it. It's not it's not like a a, a a ticket, you know, just a speeding ticket. In a lot of regards, they need to be pay attention to the court date, show up to the court date, pay the fine, complete the community service, so that it doesn't become something bigger that impacts them and, and jobs and other things down the road. All right. Um, Attorney Charles Tucker, Jr., thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Good to have me. All right. Thank you so thank much. Thank you again, Doc Good Senior. No, you Carry too. Me. Same here. All right. Take care, Charles. Thank you so much. That's attorney Charles Tucker, Jr. Uh, he's a founding partner of Tucker Moore Law Group and also former Brooklyn prosecutor. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to uh, Anika right now. Anika, hi, you're on Hot 97. Is it Amika or Anika? Uh, it's Amika. Amika, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, in light of um, covid uh, I know that the you know the protests have basically taken you know the shine on that, but as a frontliner myself, and at one point testing positive for COVID while you know treating patients, um, I just had a question about you know is there any known um, incidents of reinfection, you know, uh, for patients that were positive, uh, recovered, have there been anyone who's you know had symptoms again, or had tested positive for antibodies and had symptoms afterwards. Oh, excellent question. Dr. Manny, what about this? Can you, and first of all, and, and Amika, thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, treating patients and helping people. What, what about what Amika is asking? This is a question about reinfection, um, in, in general, for people that have been exposed to the virus and then recovered, uh, did they get sick again? Uh, right now in the U.S., we don't have a lot of data around that. Uh, the one place they had data was out of, uh, Korea and China. Where they looked at uh, patient populations, uh, people that were positive recovered, and then the follow those patients, um, about 2.8% of those patients, which means about, let's say, 3% of people that actually positive recovered, positive again, actually um, had symptoms again after they had recovered. And we looked at it, it wasn't, and so the, the understanding was that it was not necessarily from a new infection. It was possible that a lot of people had uh, like a low immune state. Um, so right. like the virus, so you recover, but then it kind of stays in your system? Yeah, so in these particular people, they had like a weaker immune system or something where they, they kind of recovered and then yeah, maybe the immune system dropped and then the virus overtook it again and then they got sicker, but they all recovered, um, right? So right now, I mean, from, from what we know, the idea here is if you've been um, exposed to the virus, um, you should be protected. For the should be. Term. Correct. All right, but you should still, uh, still be taking precautions. So, yeah, exactly. And, and also, it's good to understand that the virus will also mutate, right? Every virus mutates over time. And so, yeah, so, so um, the best idea here is to still follow uh, the guidelines, put your mask on, wash your hands. All right, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. We're talking about the protests. We're talking about police. We're talking about the pandemic. Dr. Manny with us in studio. And right now, let's go to our Hot 97 Newsmaker line with New York State Assemblyman and Congressional Candidate Michael Blake. Um, and remember, Democratic primary voting, if you're a registered Democrat, is on June 23rd. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Always great to be with you, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. 
Michael, first of all, what's your take on what happened? Thank God this weekend was much more peaceful and everything seemed uh, really positive. So many people were out in the streets, tens of thousands. The police seemed to be more relaxed about uh, not enforcing the, the uh, curfew. But what did you see happen in the Bronx this week that really got you upset? You know, I, I saw a, a war zone and a militarized uh, police force uh, on 136 and Brook Avenue on Thursday night, something I've never seen before in my life. Uh, and, you know, if, if we spent more energy to build schools instead of jail, things would be better here. You know, it, it was it was wrong. It was wrong. And it makes no sense whatsoever that we continue to have a conversation uh, around a curfew, which all it was doing was creating more chaos and conflict on the streets. Now, Lisa, I appreciate the point where, you know, if someone is looting our black and Latino businesses, they got to be held accountable. We shouldn't be doing that to one another. But if we're out here peacefully protesting, no, you shouldn't be bringing out a baton. You shouldn't be pepper spraying. You shouldn't be bringing people down to the ground. Uh, people are just tired uh, and they're exhausted. And so, uh, you know, today we're going to keep going. You know, we're not going to stop until we make some things happen. We're going to be on Fordham Road and Grand Conference at 1 o'clock. You know, shout out to Justice League. Shout out to my sons, Tamika, and everybody. Uh, we're going to keep marching. We're going to keep protesting until we have changes. Uh, and for those of us that are elected officials, this week is our week to show up and, and show uh, that we're going to make changes in the law. And Michael, the uh, so just, so in ter- in terms of the looting that happened earlier in the week in the Bronx on you know by Burnside and and Fordham Road. So you're making a big distinction. Looters, that's criminal behavior. That's a very very different thing from what the protesters are doing. Oh, completely different. Completely different. Look, I, I grew up on. Preston and Burnside till sixth grade, then was at university in Burnside the rest of that time. And, you know, what I saw uh, was devastating. You know, you had a, a local business, electronic business, where they didn't do anything wrong. They were just trying to live out their dreams. His insurance just lapsed, and his entire store had been devastated and crushed. Wow. You know, what does that do about justice for George? You know, you look at the restaurants down the block, completely broken in, glass on the ground. That has nothing to do about justice for George. Now, that also means there's deeper economic and emotional and institutional issues that we all got to figure out and sort out. I hear that. I respect that. However, at the end of the day, if we're focused on getting justice for George, don't destroy our economic justice in our community. You know, if, if, if we can't pay bills, if we can't pay the rent, it's really hard to be able to go out and protest. So that's where I want to make sure that we understand we're not missing that opportunity, beloved. Everybody. We understand we heard it. All of us heard it. I'm a black man in America. I've experienced police brutality. Don't trust me. I'm upset. Trust me, I've cried enough the last two weeks. I've got enough text messages, enough phone calls. But us destroying our businesses doesn't do that. What we have to do is destroy police brutality. We have to destroy the complex. We got to hold cops accountable. And we got to demand from the mayor and the governor and the commissioner that you're not going to continue to brutalize black and brown bodies the way you have. So, Michael, in terms of the uh, in terms of the reforms, you were you were explaining to me, and I, and I want to share that with share this discussion and, and make people aware. We've heard about this fifty A. What is the fifty A, and what can actually happen? Because some people are saying, okay, this is great, all this energy, all this focus, everybody protesting, raising these issues, but what change can really happen from this? Break down that. Can you first break down that fifty A for us? Fifty A is probably the most critical law that will impact police misconduct. 
And, and Lisa, I expect that by the time we close our eyes on this Tuesday night, uh, we would have repealed 58. 58 is a law that shields police misconduct and police disciplinary records from the public. And we have repeatedly for years demanded 58, at least just for context. When we fought for raise the age in honor of Khalif Prada, yesterday makes five years since Khalif took his life, unfortunately. The NYPD and the PBA and others pushed back on 58. When we changed bail reform and speedy trial and open discovery, they were adamant, don't touch 58. And we have to ask ourselves, why would you be so adamantly opposed to people knowing about misconduct? And so even last week, the PBA and Pat Lynch and their entire leadership they would spend millions and do everything possible to block 58. So for everyone that's protesting, everyone that's making phone calls and mobilizing, demand that for those of us in the state assembly and state senate that we pass the repeal of 58 this week, but we also have other bills as well that we're working on that we'll be voting on tomorrow and Tuesday as well. This is everything from making sure that we have transparency on data, finding out about training, making sure that we address what's happening when it comes to solitary confinement. These are different elements that we all have to be going after, making sure that we empower our Attorney General Tish James to be a special prosecutor in all these different instances. That's why these protests matter, because we'll be able to say, usually you got to wait two weeks for a paycheck, but now we'll be able to see tomorrow two weeks will bring justice, because it'll be two weeks since we saw that video of George Floyd. And so then, if you want to make sure we can see the pressure, apply no, no, go, pressure, go ahead, not Mark. just the passage of it, move it on as well. All right. So the 50A is basically a law that prevented in these any disciplinary instances with police officers. It You could not have access to what their prior uh, performance record was or disciplinary record. Is that how we would explain it? Exactly. Plain and simple, it was blocking the public knowing what bad things an officer might have done. All right. And, and, this, and this is why we're saying to, this is why I've been saying if, you know, people want to do something, you need to find out who your, your local councilman is. You need to, in this particular case, these are state laws that uh, Assemblyman Michael Blake is talking about. You need to know who your local assembly member is. You need to know who your local state senator is and, and make sure the, these are, uh, Enacted. So this, this account, Michael, this issue of accountability, because we don't know with the case with, with George Floyd, with, uh, with the former police officer now charged with his murder, Derek Chauvin, there were 18 complaints. We don't know how many were actually uh, verified or, or what the status status was. But this this repeal of 50A would allow the allow us to know, like, oh, that same officer had been accused of similar things 10 previous times or two previous times, right? Exactly. And, and take it even a step further, uh, here in New York, you know, we, we talk about I can't breathe for George Floyd, it was I can't breathe with Eric Garner. And in the same scenario, Daniel Pantaleo had previous instances of misconduct, right? And so we would say this to anybody, if you found out that an employee had a history of misconduct, would you keep that person employed? I think everyone, I, I, no, everyone would say no way. No way. Right? No way. And so w would you feel safe in knowing that an officer had multiple instances of misconduct? And I, I've been very consistent about this. I'm not saying every officer is bad. I will never say that. And I'm not saying all the looting we've seen has been legit because it's not been because if you're looting and protesting against our stores, that's wrong. But we are saying very simply, you elected us to make changes. 
Right. You sent us to Albany to change laws to make things happen. And you go back into the 60s. It wasn't that they were just protesting and marching. They were demanding laws to be changed. Right. And that's the exact same instance right now. And it also means when we talk about this mobilization moment and people have been asking me, oh, Michael Blake, how do we get involved? What do we do? Where do we go? Yes, you got to make sure laws are changed, but then you got to be involved. As Jumani and I both talked about yesterday in Washington Square Park, you got to fill out the census so that we have resources in our communities and you have to get out to vote on June 23rd because it can't just be that we are out here and get temporary victories. We got to think long game and we got to change the game in our communities. And if you care about criminal justice and you care about justice as a whole, then you got to make sure that your voices are heard even when the cameras are gone. All right. Well, Michael Blake, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, the, the rally today you're talking about is Fordham Road and Grand Concourse at 1 p.m. One o'clock today. Everybody listening in the Bronx all across the city, come join us. My son, Justice League, everyone, Tamika Mallory. We're starting at Fordham Road Grand Concourse. We're going south. We'll end at 161st Street. Uh, we encourage everybody to join us and, and rock with us. Again, Michael Blake, we're ready to help you and everybody. Blake for Congress at NYC. All right, Mike. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. And shout out to uh, my son and, and Tamika Mallory. Been on this fight for a very, very long time. Been on Street Soldiers a number of times, too. And uh, talking about these issues and pressing for change and, and leading the people into change. So shout out to Tamika and my son. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And Dr. Manny, what's your sense uh in terms of how effective all of these protests are going to be long term, because you feel that you feel the next thing coming up is going to be this health equity. Correct. I, I, I think um, first, this is a good thing. So you, you can't fight every battle at once. Uh, right. But, but I, I think um, it, it's, it's an awakening. It, correct. It's laid, it's laid that foundation for everyone to speak up. Right. Um, looking around the country, seeing nurses, doctors kneeling down. Um, you, you know, um, you know, watching even people that were as radical as the NFL actually speaking up now and supporting right the NFL the, commissioner the, the cause right. of the movement. I, I think there's been a lot of awareness uh, among people that uh, otherwise would not would not be aware. Yeah, people like Drew Brees, for example, you know, apologizing after making his, um, comments that in the past uh, you have very strong support for, <laughs> right? And him come back and say, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry, um, and I want to learn more." So I see a lot of people are going through and saying, "Hey, I want to learn more." And the violence, look at what happened in Buffalo, right? Where you had this elderly gentleman, uh, you know. 75 year old man. Correct. And they pushed him. Laid and he flat. fell. They, correct. And the cops said that he tripped and fell, right? And that's what they wrote in the report. And so people realized that no, just authorities lie. do lie. <laughs> right. So, and this is blatant and it, it's abuse of power as so people see this. And, and so I think it's a completely new movement that has actually, um, you know, that will get things started. So I, I think now, you know, um, you know, clinicians like myself that have been making, pushing for this fight, you know, for health um, equality um, can come up and then say, listen, let's also fight for the next thing. Let's fight for decrease in, um, in diabetes and, uh, and hypertension within our, our communities, right, and improve healthcare access. Uh, that would tie in with the improve, um, improvement in our justice system. So I think it's a fantastic day. Oh, okay, one eight hundred two two three ninety seven, ninety seven. I know. I, envision, I I think like, why aren't there community? Why why aren't there viable community centers open seven days a week in every community? I mean, health clinic and urgent, uh, but urgent care, but a health clinic that could be a a real resource for the community that people where they know the people, you know. Great, and I think this will also bring in uh, a completely different way 
at which we look at healthcare, right? Like I, I support what uh, Michael Blake said, for example, are people going out to register to vote? I think that's very important, right? Because today, most people in America have insurance tied to their jobs, which means that if you don't have a job, you don't have access to healthcare. Right. And that's like almost 30-something million people right now. Correct. So if you look at all the people that don't have jobs today, that they don't have access to healthcare. And so that's, that's something that uh, we need to actually take a better look at. All right, one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Phone lines going off the ringing off the hook. Let's uh, take some calls here. Sam, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Okay, um, they were hanging on a very long time. Let's go to uh, Charles right now. Charles, hi, you're on Hot ninety. The kids are going crazy in the background. Charles, hi, hey, you're on how's it hot- going? How are you doing? Good. I'm doing very well. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Yes, and uh, yeah, the question that I have pretty much um, is, uh, you know, it's like, you know, an FBI agent, you know, when they go for a test, they polygraph them, and, you know, I think that's what they should do, you know, implement that, polygraphing, polytesting, you know, a lie detector test, you know, regarding them, you know, someone being, you know, if, you know, if they have like that racial blood, they could wean them out right there in the beginning. You know, Lise? Yeah, and, and they're, they're definitely... And, and, Go ahead. And, and and the thing is, you know, with the... Um, you figure the 58, I figure abolish that. You know, we have to abolish that, you know? And the thing is with that is, you know, they got lawyers, the PBA, everybody's involved with that. So we have to abolish that all the way. We got to be knowing what's going on. It's like a sex offender... Uh, 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 um, you know, we we need to know what's going on at every single moment with an officer, whether if it's in the borough, on the suburbs, urban areas. We need to know what's going on with them. We need to make it a public record, and I think they should implement that along with you know as far as the change. Because I tell you, um, Lisa, the boat has landed ashore. It's a landed ashore. That's it. And I'm 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 white. I grew up with, in Coney Island and w- with multi different ethnicities. And I tell you, I, uh, enough is enough. You know, no, definitely enough. Is enough. We we got to move forward, Charles. Thank you so much for the call, and thank you, thank you for for hanging on. And that repeal of 50A that uh, Assemblyman Michael Blake was talking about, it's it also there would not be they're not going to talk about revealing the police officers, family members or home address or anything like that, strictly from what I understand to do with the work record, their track record, like what's what have they done? And since they're public, they, they're paid by public money, by tax money. I think it makes sense. I mean, every, it happens to everyone and to everyone else. Right. I mean, if, if it happens <laughs> to everyone record. else. No, correct. I mean, if, <laughs> if, you, if you go online and you, you search uh, any doctor that you see, every doctor's score. Totally. Right. I mean, you, you they see make those reviews things. like it's a restaurant. Correct. You could you could review people <laughs> and you could see what they've done. You could find out if they have any like my practice lawsuits against them. Um, the police find out about you. If they pull you over, they could run your, met, your, your criminal record. Right. And they Instantly. Find out, correct. They know where you live and everything else. So I think it should, everything should be open. All right, let's go to uh, Sean right now. Sean, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, Lisa, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, so I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I think that it's imperative that we go and vote because there's a large disparity between the ideals of people who are in power and the people that are being policed. For example, um Commissioner Shea, a few weeks ago, there was an incident in the LES where 
a few young men were beaten by police officers because they didn't have on face masks. And police Shea, um, Commissioner Shea, sorry, got on the air and he was stating on TV and he was stating that these aren't regular citizens. These are thugs and hoodlums and gang members, right? And then days later, he had to recant that statement and said and say that, you know, we aren't going to try and enforce um, face masses with police officers as a result of that incident and another incident uh, when a young lady with her daughter was um, was attacked by police officers in a train station for having her face mask below her chin. Right, and, and they so, and, and they and they did they changed that as a result, of, and those were terrible terrible instances, and they changed that as a result of it that police should not be in the business of enforcing. The uh, the face mask rules and also and in, in terms of the social distancing because it was just honestly it w- it was physically impossible too in terms of the numbers and in terms of what what was going on but um, I'll give you one last final comment Sean yeah so um my 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 issue is that if you see videos of what's taking place and the way that it was handled then. You still say, and you still stick up for what is unjust from what you see, then there's a problem. And that makes me question whether there's uh, an innate responsibility, responsibility to do the right thing, or if people are just um, acting in a result of the heat that they're receiving as a result of doing what is unjust, right? And so that in itself is problematic, and we need to take every election as if it's the last election and go out there and vote for for even the smaller offices because these are the people who are actually going to implement change directly in our environment. Exactly. Sean, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. 1-800-223-9797. This is Street Soldiers on Hot 97. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us, uh, Dr. Manny, we've got two, two big issues that we're focusing on, the protests, the ongoing protests um, for Black Lives Matter against police brutality and uh, also the coronavirus pandemic. Tomorrow, the reopening, the part phase one. So basically, phase one means two for the next two weeks if the numbers continue to decline. Correct. So, but what does that mean? Yeah, correct. So it means we open with uh, the, the maximum restrictions. Uh, of course, you now have your your, your bars and, and and concert halls open, right? The movie theaters open. So it's more getting people uh, back to get back to to work initially, um, and then but keeping these distances and then see what happens, right? And 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 I think this will be a continuous process until we get a vaccine, right? Every time we open. Regardless of what phase we're they have in. To, they have to check. Correct. We have to check. For example, the, the protest took us from phase zero to phase, uh, to, to, to step, to step 100. <laughs> right? From zero to 100. To zero to 100, right? And so whatever's going to happen tomorrow, um, it, it's, it, it's probably way lower in terms of what happened during, during the protests, right? So that's basically what it is. Let's see All what happens. Right. All right. Let's go to, uh, Maria right now. Maria, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Wait, did I not hear? Okay, thanks, Jack. Hey, Maria, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. This is Maria. I wanted to um, discuss about the 50A reform, and I'm glad the governor 
broke it down into sections where he was saying that a lot of attorneys for the city interpret this law the way they want it to. A lot of district attorneys interpret this law the way they want it to. I'm glad when he said that he was signed off on a revised reform um, 58 bill because my son was a victim of um, police brutality. I'm so and sorry. what they did is, yes, thank you. And what they did is they made him feel like he was not the victim. They made him feel like he was a villain. They arrested him. They brought up all the other charges. They brought all these charges on him, obstructing um, justice, um, disorderly conduct, obstructing administrative um, government administration. administration. Right. Right. They charged him for that, resisting arrest. They charged him for abusing the police officer. When he had it on video, and when that, when George Floyd cried, Mama, mama, it hurt my soul because when my son was getting beat by the cops in our building where we live at, and he said, Ma, record this, record it. And I pulled out my phone and I tell people, you don't think in an instant, but he was on point to tell me to record it, that that helped him. And his case went from criminal court where no attorney believed in him. And because you're in, a, in your minority, you got to go through legal aid because you can't afford an attorney on your own. So now they're pushing your case from one legal aid to another, to another, to another. It stopped him from getting jobs. It made him lose his job. It brought cases on with him and his baby mama where she brought up charges on him and she had him arrested. And then it was like he couldn't see his son to this day. My son haven't seen his son for over a year. And all the police did. And good thing his case went to the Supreme Court where he beat the case and he cried like a baby. And I said, even though you won your case in court, you took a loss in your life. You took a loss from seeing your child. You took a loss from jobs. You took a loss just coming back and forth. You took a loss in fearing of the police. How can we raise children in our family to say, okay, this is somebody you're supposed to turn to when you're in trouble or you need help, and we can't trust them ourselves as adults? Maria. Yes. That's a question that... We don't have an I don't have an answer for. And I think that's a question a lot of people are asking right now. And I think that the the lack of an answer to that question is the reason why everybody, tens of thousands of people have been out in the streets. Correct. And, and this makes the bigger argument of um, you know, that the many things happening within our communities. Um, it's not just when people die. <laughs> right. Right. There's impact on people's lives from this, you know, from police abuse that I think it, that goes a long way. Right. Like, so look at this young man now, for example, look at the impact this had on his life and losing jobs and, right. and, and where and he is family. in the future. Correct. And, and his family. You, you could tell from the mother's voice how emotional this is. Maria, thank you for sharing that oh, with us. Because every day he lived this walking out the door. Every day I live it because I blame myself because I sent him to get my wallet. I, every day we live it because it happened where we live at. So I tell people, get out there and vote. Know your politicians. Do research on your politicians. Just don't vote them in because their names seem similar to ours. 
do they research on their background? Know these judges. When they pull them up for judges to be voted in, know these judges. Know who, what their background is. Know the community that they grew up in. And the only way that we knew about the police officer's history of police brutality, because I Googled his name, and I seen he had other lawsuits on him. So people have to know their rights and go out there and vote and get people in because the same way we get them in, the same way we could get them out. And the change ain't going to start with just us little people. People have to start believing in us when we tell them this is what's going on. All right, Maria, you sound like an amazing woman and an amazing mother. And uh, thank Maria, Maria for office. Yeah, I'll vote get, for you. Motivated. I'll vote for you, Maria, if you're in my district. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. But you, you gave us a real a real great picture of uh, all the all the you know, the aftermath of these actions. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, yeah, we will. Well, everyone here in the studio is ready to vote for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have you have a good day. OK. Okay, great. This is Hot 97, um, Hot 97, WQHT FM, New York. WQHT and WQHT HD1, New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, our special two-hour live episode. Shout out to P.O. Farrell for making that happen. Thank you so much. And also uh, Team Lisa here on deck, as always. Um, just uh, Dr. Manny is with us in the studio because tomorrow is the opening of, of Phase 1. Mayor de Blasio just tweeted... Uh, you know, right after we started the show, he says, New York City, we are lifting the curfew effective immediately. Yesterday and last night, we saw the very best of our city. Tomorrow, we take the first big step to restart. Keep staying safe. Keep looking out for each other. Thank you for getting that for me, Jack the Mac. Dr. Manny, what about the staying safe? Still the mask? Yes, please. Uh, don't forget, uh, but have them put your mask on. Um, you know, wash your hands. Don't try to ask Dr. Manny any questions if you don't have a mask on and you see him on the street. That's right. Yes, I think it's very important put, to put the mask on. And remember, the mask um, is not uh, only, um, you know, for, to protect yourself, but also protecting other people from yourself as well, right? So yeah, it's just a courtesy and, and, and a good thing to do. And uh, make sure you, you keep, it, keep your hands away from your nose and your mouth, um, right? And then try washing your hands as much as possible. A hand sanitizer is also something um, you could have handy. Um, Especially you know. if you're out in the streets. And, and you know what? A lot of the protests too, and, and I want to, I want to say a big shout out to all of the people that I have seen, all of these support people that are out there. Some of them are volunteer healthcare workers. Others are just community volunteers. Um, and others are just here to, you know, to help and support. Uh, they, they have the gigantic big things of sanitizer. They're going around the crowd like that because to give out you know, that's too many bottles to, yeah. to to give out or whatever. They're giving out wipes. They're giving out masks. And that that's a great thing. So anybody that doesn't have a mask, they get a, get a mask right there. Correct. And remember also, if you are taking a train or like you're taking a subway, right, um, it's not open air. So, you, so basically everything is like that always in freak, there. That always freaked me Correct. out Correct. Anyway. So it's very important in that case to actually have on a face mask even indoors, right? Even while you're inside, you're taking a bus, for example, I think it's great. To, uh, to put our face mask. And to keep that mask Correct. on. 1-800-223-9797. 1-800-223-9797. Uh, Dr. Manny, let's go to Allison right now. Allison, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Oh, why am I not putting... Hey, Allison, you're, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I was calling um, because I, I had a comment about the 
officers that had re- retired from their position after they had seen um, pushing the elderly 75-year-old guy and they had and two of the other officers had um, were put on administrative leave. I think that they should all be fired. All right. And my and my reason for saying this is is that I feel like um, they're coming off like it's a gang, um, like they don't understand that they need to be a little bit more sympathetic and compassionate towards the community and people around them. And it's so frustrating because I feel like the the idea that they, but actually the way how they they behave, it it made me feel like, oh, y'all don't like what we did, but this is what we're going to do. Like, like they're they're in a gang. Well, there there were 50, the 57 members there, they're still police officers and they actually, they resigned from that task force, that special task force, uh, that they were right. on, and um, it, it was it was a sh- it was a shocking video. They should get fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I really exactly. believe that they should get fired. And if I was the mayor, I would be I would have fired them and post their positions immediately. Well, the you mayor the mayor didn't sound because like he was it too upset. Sent a stronger a stronger message to the community that this behavior is not tolerated. Because I just feel like, and you know, thank God that we can we can have videotapes and people can record the police. Imagine all the images that we have not seen. Imagine all the images exactly. we have not seen. Well, that's Imagine what I'm all the people who, and the lady that who just called in just now. I'm driving home from work. I'm an essential worker. I well, listen thank to you. you guys. Thank you. And I was almost in tears because I'm a mother. I don't have a boy child. I have two girl children. But when I was raising my girl children, and my girl children happened to be doing pretty well in life, but I remember to keep telling them, you guys are black, you guys are women, and we are poor. You are starting from the bottom, bottom, bottom. And it wasn't to say that I didn't want my children, that they couldn't achieve. I needed to let them know what was out there in the world. And what was out there for them. And, and I'm Yes, so- and to hear this lady speak about her child like that, I know people like that. One altercation with the, with the police can change your life your dramatically life. No, and for she- the rest of your life. No, Allison, I'm an immigrant into this country, and I know people that have gotten simple tickets. They cannot apply for status in this country because of one small altercation. No, I know. It's, there's a lot of un- injustice. Allison, thank you so much for your call. And, uh, yeah, I don't think the mayor in Buffalo is ready to fire the police officers. He said the 75-year-old man was uh, a known agitator. He called him an agitator. I mean, I mean, Craig. I mean, I mean it's he, unbelievable. He, he things like this, yeah. And so it, it, it's sad. It, it's very sad. Uh, 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Manny with us in the studio. Let's go to, I think it's, is it Lowly? Yes. Lowly. Okay, I got it right. You're on the air. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, it's just, I just wanted to make a quick education that uh, police officers have to go through before they're into the force. I think it's just a little odd how uh, college graduates go through four or five years of education, doctors go through seven to ten, lawyers three years, and, you know, they take, what, three, six months to become a police officer, something that is like, very important for a community where they have to exercise great judgment, uh, you know, education um, as far as, um, you know, uh, physical tactics. And, you know, I think that, and a lot of it is like psychological. 
And I feel like there should be more emphasis on that um, when they're getting into the police force. I think that they should change the requirements of becoming a police officer because a lot of these people are uneducated. You know, they come, you know, uh, I'm not saying uneducated. Right, and they, um, they, they, they did change, just slowly, just, they did change the, uh, the requirement to have two years of college. Uh, for, for the police officers, but I think it's more training in terms of uh, behavioral training, in terms of uh, interacting with the community, and also changing the attitude from a paramilitary type organization where you're solving conflicts by force as opposed to other types of conflict resolution and deal, dealing with the community, which they started to do after the uh, the chokehold death of Eric Garner. No, uh, correct, Lisa. I, I think even if you, you didn't go to high school, even if you're in, 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 in a kindergarten, you realize that if someone falls and you're bleeding from your ears, then you should actually check on the person, right? Exactly. That is not education <laughs> kind of thing, That's right? Good, right. This, it's humanity. This is, it's correct, humanity. It's just humanity. It's just, it's just emotional intelligence from, from, from on a basic level, right? And so, I mean, when Obama was president, for example, he pushed on this idea of, of demilitarizing the police force, right? So the uh, police forces, uh, I think they watch too many movies, right? So people watch too many movies and so when see something happens, people want to get, grab their guns and everything else and, and because that's why it's in the movies. That's not what happens, right? And so you also have a lot of people that have been in the military for, for a long period of time, right? That, that served, um, rightfully so, uh, to help us out um, you know, in, in this war, to come back. And some people join the police force, <laughs> right? And some of them, I have to say, though, the former military uh, who, who become police officers, because they've been in real combat, they're much, they're much better on the streets in some Correct. ways because they're not intimidated by uh, by these stereotypes. Correct. And then there are the people that think that it's all a, an action movie, right? They right. play video games and they become police officers, and now they become the neighborhood bullies. I mean, and that's what happens in, in, in general sense. You can't communicate with them. You can't you can't say anything because they are bullies in the neighborhood, uh, right? The, the bullies that do not do anything else. But not everyone. I'm saying those people do exist and in the police force. Those are the people that we, we are talking about. No, absolutely. 1-800-223-9797. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. Shot 19 times, the police fired 41 shots combined. Mistaken identity, they had to admit it. When they went to trial, all four officers got acquitted. Ahmaud Aubrey, his skin made him a target. Two racist white men shot him while he was jogging. B. Betty Jones was inside of a house the day after Christmas when shots rang out. A bullet traveled inside of a home and slaughtered up. No charges were filed against the officer. C. Cornelius Brown, cops chose to kill. They shot him seven times. He was mentally ill. D. Dominic Fuller was murdered. It gets stranger. They say he had a gun, all he had was a stapler Eric Garner, he was a father But now a martyr, ain't deserved to be slaughtered His last words, I can't breathe, moment of silence The officer who killed him didn't even get indicted Emmett Till, 14 years old They claim he flirted with a white woman How cold, they took off his clothes Called them a Lynched them and threw them in the Tallahassee River. F. Freddie Gray had his spinal cord severed. Killed in a police van after arrested. Six officers got charged. This is ridiculous. Two years, four trials, no convictions. George Floyd, three officers nailed on him. He told him he couldn't breathe. They didn't care for him. The country rioted everywhere for him. 
those cops, I have no fear for him. H, Hector Moron, he was unarmed. The cops shot him dead, he cried for his mom. I, India Kaga, Navy vet. The passenger in the vehicle was a suspect. A baby in the back seat, the cops started shooting. The officers were cleared of criminal wrongdoing. J, Jamal Clark, restraint wasn't enough. They shot him in his head while he was in handcuffs. That's tribute uh, by Papoose. Big shout out to Papoose for uh, writing that. Such a powerful song. It is very powerful. Um, I was sitting here dancing already. <laughs> well, the beat, but the message is like... so. It's, it's a very powerful a, message, right? This is what hip-hop used to be, eh? This is what hip-hop is now. Yep. He's, al he's always been on this. So big shout out to uh, Papoose. Let's go to Jimmy right now. Jimmy, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Good morning, good morning. Thank you, listen, for the good job you're doing. And Dr. Manny, wow, I can tell you thank you because every time I listen to you guys, I get tears because you guys are speaking the truth and that we need this. But one thing I want to talk about, man, we forget about these kids. And the, the kids on the street, they're the ones that are suffering the most. Especially I volunteer in the school in, uh, in Queens for elementary school and it's a detention school. So I volunteer in the detention class too, trying to give them that tough love. But these kids, uh, their mind is just, you know, they they need so much stress. They don't know what to do, you know? And we can't forget about them. You know, police I've, I've, I'm a victim of police the police lying on me, lock me up. And every time I went across them, there's some good ones and there's bad ones. And I went across a lot of good ones, I went across a few bad ones. And they the bad ones think when they come in a black neighborhood they're looking for animals. And when they want to cross someone like me that gives them their respect and be nice to them, they asking me, Why are you so nice to us? Did they expect us to go wild so they could wild with us and pick us up and put us on the walls? I've seen all that. And, but we have to start with us as people, as black people. We have to show love with each other, you know? And that's what, I, that's what I'm waiting to see because, yes, they don't to us, but we just killed three young black kids and queens. A 19-year-old just got gunned down sitting in the car in front of elementary school. And nobody talking about it. Police not investigating to get the guy that killed them. We don't know why they got killed, but that's three young black kids that could be doctors, lawyers, and everything else. And we are not. We letting them go, and we're not talking about that. And in my in my neighborhood, not to ask everybody, why are we not taking the street to catch the guy that killed those three nine, two nineteen year olds and twenty six year old? They got shot. Whatever they did, you know, we're losing more a lot of kids today, and it's sad. I'm forty five years old, and I don't understand it. it it's it hurts me every day. I'm crying because we're not doing nothing for us to fix the problem. No, Jimmy, th thank you very much for your call. But I do think I do think a lot of people. I think hundreds of thousands of people are working to fix the problem, and, and it's a tragedy of the violence, the regular. I hate to call it regular, but the the street violence that takes so many young lives, and also these these shootings. But the other, it's a different. I think it's a different thing when it's based on systemic racism, and it's it's this continual oppression of people based on their skin color. Correct. And I see a lot of times uh, we try to split it up because people bring it up and they'll say, uh, what about black and black uh, crimes that happen in neighborhoods, right? And I think, once again, I make an argument that is not completely separated, right? I think if you live in a system that um, you, you don't, that you're oppressed, that you don't think much of yourself, you don't have long-term vision, then you don't care about risk. Or <laughs> right you don't about. feel your life matters. You don't feel that, you don't feel your life matters, right? And so that's, I think it comes down to the same argument of black lives matter. And black lives matter, yes, from police violence, from black and black crime, right? The whole idea here is, Think more of yourself, right? And 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 I think there's a lot more things we can do. I I, I think you know showing these young people that there are other things they could live for, 
right? Uh, that you could become whatever you want to become, <laughs> right? You could be wherever you want to be. And, and, and these kids being able to look at it and then say, hey, there's an opportunity here. But if you just live in that same community and you have police officers abusing people, and pe- so you don't, you don't, you don't want to become a police officer, <laughs> right? So you, you've lost that, that whole hope. And so what, what do you do? That you don't care about what you do, right? So I, I think it's a systemic issue that we need to address. And I do agree that uh, we should address um, all of them and give hope to our young people. No, absolutely. Uh, let's go to Walter right now. Walter, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. What's Good morning, your question? Or... Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's your question or comment? Um, actually, I had a comment. My my comment is what's going on with um with Floyd, rest in peace, Floyd, and uh, my condolences to his family, and um what's going on with uh, COVID nineteen. Rest in peace to those people. And um, please wear your mask, your gloves, protect yourself. And I'm also, my comment is that we're not going to be equal as a society, as a people, as a world. We're not going to be equal because the money. And the money is what's changing us and keeping us separate from each other because if you have more money than me, we're not equal. Well, you understand? I you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. But in terms of terms of the money, you talked about money in terms of health equity and people having everyone can get the coronavirus. But if you have money or you're a Hollywood celebrity, you can get a test and get good health care. Correct. I mean, there are also people that have money that also do other things that makes them die faster, right? I mean, so, right. <laughs> right? I mean, just think. Correct. So, so, so I, I think it, 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 yes, cer- certainly. The more you can afford, the, the the more access to you know you could fly a private jet, you could have whatever you want, right? I mean, you could do other things. And so, how do we empower our communities, um, you know, to ensure that they have access to care, right? Some, and 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 when, if you look at individual wealth. Um, you know, accessing healthcare, that is a completely different thing. But when we have a wealthy nation, uh, then we are a rich nation, not as individuals, but as a nation, right? And so, as a rich nation, can we give healthcare, um, you know, to those of us that are not as wealthy as the rest of us? That's the argument there. Right. And then the argument Correct. that's happening right now, the fight right now for Black Lives Matter, yeah. the fight against police brutality is for an equal system of justice for people. Um, Everywhere, you know, correct, especially for people of color. Let's go uh, right now. A very special guest on our Hot 97 Newsmaker line, Papoose. Great to have you with us again. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Great to be here. Good, good morning. I'm doing great. Dr. Manny is joining us, too. He's uh, been helping us with this whole coronavirus pandemic and how it's been affecting our communities. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Papoose, the, All right. the song Tribute. Incredible. Incredible. It, it's, it just, thank you. And that isn't even all the names, you know, throughout the years. Those are like so many cases. And there were cases that, uh, you know, I was like, wow, I hadn't heard of that one. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you put the, the words up on the Instagram too, because I, w- I was checking some of those out. What made you want to do this at this time? Because you, you've been in this fight for, for a very, very long time. You've helped us here at Street Soldiers and Hot 97 with so, so many issues coming out to the community when we did the, um, education town hall in Brownsville, and you re- you really care about our people mm-hmm. and really care about our communities. And and what made you really want to do this right now? 
what made me really want to do it right now was the fact that, you know, the George Floyd situation happened and so many people were outraged and really showing their indignation. And people were reacting to that, saying, oh, why are they doing this? This is wrong. You know, they shouldn't be rioting. They shouldn't be looting. And I wanted people to understand that it's not just the one isolated incident that's making people outraged. It's the continuous murder of black and Latino people that's going on over and over again. And also I wanted to be the voice for so many people who are, who are unable to speak for themselves due to them being murdered by racism, police brutality. And the reaction that you see to people, do you feel this time is different? Because we saw outrage after Michael Brown. We saw outrage after Eric Garner. We saw people in the streets. I don't think to this extent of what we've seen now going on for so many days. But do you feel do you feel it's it's different now? Do you feel more people are aware or do you feel it's it's the same? We're, we're just in another same cycle. Well, that's the challenge that I want to place from everyone is to be consistent. Um, to answer your question, yes, I have faith that this one is different and we are going to actually see some change because it's on a worldwide level. You know, you got Paris, I think it's like 50,000 people out there and you're just seeing different parts of the planet are reacting. And normally, you know, it's just in one area, it goes on for a little while and then people move on to the next trending topic. But I do have faith in this particular incident that something good is going to come out of this and we can perhaps actually get a real change. Because the, the, the lack of accountability, some, some of the laws that they're talking about changing is making sure that there's accountability for police officers because too many, in too many of these cases, the officers face no charges. Some of them even remain on the job. Yes. There's no accountability. I mean, you know, if you listen to the song, you will see, I spoke about so many different incidents. And, you know, when I speak about things like that, I do my research and I'm going back to famous cases that were highly recognized, like Eric Garner and these guys walk away. Yeah. Nothing happened to these officers. Like, I want people to know when we, when we turn the other cheek and we forget about these situations, the officers go free. So we have to keep the same energy. We have to attend these trials, attend these court dates and be outside of there screaming the same thing we're screaming now. No justice, no peace. We got to let them know because this has to change. It has to stop. You know, when I see, I've seen a video of a little girl marching and she had so much energy and she was so beautiful and it went viral, but it, it, it made me happy, but it made me sad because I know that her ancestors were in the street screaming for peace. I mean, screaming for justice. And now I see her doing it. It makes me think, you know, our children are going to be, have that same challenge, going to be fighting the same fight. So is this ever going to end? Our kids got to walk in the streets and scream for justice. Well, I think that's the whole thing, too. I was thinking about that as well. It's like when we're talking with our children, you know, especially the ones like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, any of those ages. But it's like, how are they looking at the police? Are they are they terrified of the police? Are they afraid the police are going to come and shoot them? Which is what a little boy said to me. He's like, Lisa, are you know, are they going to come shoot me? No, they're not. Gonna, you know, are they going to come shoot me because of, of what they see? Can they can they trust the police? And. In, in terms of their own life, and and I think we as adults, Papoose, I'm glad you brought that up. And I know I know as a as a loving parent, that's got to be top of your mind too. It's like mm -hmm. it's up to us right now to fix this. It's this is the moment 
where we can really fix it. I mean, we talked after the the Eric Garner case, and it, you know that Daniel yeah. Pantaleo he had a, a previous record which we didn't know, weren't able to know about in advance. He the family, if the mm-hmm. he would he was fired, he never faced criminal charges, and the only reason he got fired five years later. After so much trauma to the Garner family, and rest in rest in peace to Erica Garner, and and uh, you know love to Gwen Carr and, and Emerald Garner and the rest of the family that has been with us and and uh, been on this for so long. But if they had not been fighting along with Reverend Sharpton and the other people who supported them throughout this for five years, that officer would still be on the job. You know. Exactly, it's the same situation with George Floyd. Right. I don't believe. If the people would have had this outrage that this guy would have even been arrested or charged or anything, because why did it take so long? You know, then you have people who have the audacity to say, hey, you know, you guys are so outraged, but what about black on black crime? Black on black crime is illegal. When, 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 when unfortunately, right. when these brothers, you know, right. kill each other, they, they get double life sentences. They lock them up, throw away the key. Why is white on black? Why is that illegal? But that is illegal. I understand. But why is white on black crime legal where a a brother can be strangled and murdered in broad daylight on camera repeatedly and nothing happens? These guys get away with it. These officers shoot down black and Latino individuals every other week in America and nothing happens. So that's my question. Is a blue on black crime. Well, they're they're gonna, there is some hope, and this is what we've been talking about all morning too, with uh, Attorney Charles Tucker and and also with uh, New York State Assemblyman Michael Blake in Congress in Washington. And this is why people really need to pay attention from here on out because now comes the the follow up, you know. And a, a lot of times the initial burst, there's that initial burst of energy and passion, but now it's about the follow up, and the follow up is is police reforms. Uh, certain members of Congress are talking about a national registry for police who have incidents, proven incidents of brutality so that they can't go as they sometimes do as well. They get fired from one department, then they go to another state and start all over again Mm. with a completely clean record. So that's one thing. Here in New York State, they're talking about by Tuesday night, according to what uh, Michael Blake told us this morning, they can repeal 50A, which means that when a police officer is involved in a case of excessive force, uh, that their previous record can be brought into play, like were there previous complaints. So there there are real issues. There's real ways that the system can be fixed. This isn't a thing of like we got to people have to think about what needs to to be done. People know what needs to be done. And, Pap, you know, you 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 mentioned all the all of those names right now. I was stunned to find out the United States Department of Justice, which they track a lot of things. They do not track the number of deaths it, of unarmed men in police custody. So there's no national way if somebody dies in a prison, if somebody dies in mm-hmm. some rural area, we don't know. There's no national tracking system. We track everything. People track how many followers you have. They track what you spend, you know, online. Right, right. Dr. Manny, what do you think about that? I, I mean, not tracking is intentional. I mean, so like a good example, 
to tie this back to COVID-19, it's like Brazil, right? The Brazilian government realized that a lot of people were dying from, you know, COVID-19, so they stopped tracking it, <laughs> right? So they took it off their website, so they don't, they don't count it, so you don't create that kind of awareness. But I, I think it's very imp uh, important, like, you know, like the, for music, for example, telling the story so people can actually understand what happens, right? And connecting the dots, because not everyone can go back and do research and do the reading, <laughs> right? But listen to a Papoose song. Papoose is famous for that. Correct. That, that, that's fantastic. Like, tying these lines in and telling <laughs> the stories. Make sure people... Keep fighting for this, right? Because it's not one thing that stops, right? So yes, let's fight through the trial. Let's also fight and go out and vote. And I think, uh, you know, coming to music and encouraging the community to do that, I think is, is very important. Papoose, what about the sense of exhaustion and just the pain in the black community that people are feeling right now? Oh. Yeah, it's so much pain. I, I feel pain every time I, I look at this. I'm talking about it like it, it makes you depressed. It makes you stressed. It makes you upset. You know, it, it, it hurts you to your heart. So there is a lot of pain and agony in the black community. And just to add on to what you were saying, Lisa, also I've been seeing them, people discussing, you know, as far as change, I, I was seeing them discussing cutting the police budget, you know, which is something like $6 billion, something crazy like that. Cut, they was putting pressure on the mayor to do so, so they can take some of that money and invest it into things like the youth and, you know, this whole pandemic situation. Why so many, so much money? being dumped into the police force. We don't need vigilantes coming into our neighborhoods, you know, policing us. We don't need that. What What is the process for someone coming going into the police academy to become an officer? I think the screening needs to be more, you know, thorough because some of these guys who are becoming police officers, they're not mentally stable to be shooting down people for no apparent reason. Right. So I think that would be, uh, I agree with that solution. Some of that money needs to be cut back, like changes, have to take place you know and, and the brother you know who, who's on the show was also speaking about voting i agree with him on that too because um you know i've been seeing some of our young people coming up like the brother jumani williams and the sister tamika you know i would like to see them in the future get on the ballot and we can vote people like that and like we have to take some of these people out who are maintaining the same status quo remove them and vote in some people who are going to exercise equality amongst all and one of our callers, uh, Maria, whose uh, son, son was his, his life was completely changed by an incident in their apartment building where he was uh, brutalized by police and then had to had to fight for over a year to just clear his name and and prove that it, it was totally wrong. She said she, you, we need to and I, and I would I would second this. We need to know who our New York State Assemblyman is. We need to know who our city council member is. We know need to know who our senator is. Not just the mayor or not just the president or the governor, because these are the people that are deciding, do we get money to fix the playground? Do we get money to to uh, provide service, educational support in the community? Do we get money for this? Do we get money for that? And we need to we just we need to be involved in the long term, I think. But also is the point. But also, Papoose, don't you, do you feel encouraged? One of the things I thought was very good um, and very positive to come out of this is I think this time. A lot of white people, a lot of white people really got the message and they really understood it and were asking the questions. Yes. Yes. And I take my hats off to them. You know, I, I don't really think it's a, um, you know, a, a race thing as far as that, from that aspect. There are white people who are out there protesting and they're totally against it too. It's just these certain individuals who are racist and they feel like they're supreme to other, to other human beings. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and you know what, what's been real interesting to me is when I see the protesters get a little aggressive, the police haven't reacted violently when they see other white people on the front line. 
You see what I'm saying? Yes. And if it was just all black Latino, who knows? They might open fire on them. So, you know, these are things that we've got to look at. But I'll take my hat, to, my hat off to all of those people from all different walks of life who are out there, who aren't black, and they're still in this fight with us. What do you think about the um, uh, about what do you think about the, the, the mayor of DC? Um, you know, this is Doctor Man. This is Doctor Manny. I should have introduced you guys. Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you think yeah. about the mayor of DC? Uh, you know, uh, painting Black Lives Matter right next to the White House and naming uh, the, the street, street. The Black Lives <laughs> Matter Plaza. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think the. Um, I think. I think the the new address that Donald Trump lives is Black Love. Black Lives Matter. Black Boulevard. Lives Matter Boulevard. <laughs> that was beautiful. I thought that was great. I thought that I thought that was great. Plus, they can see it. Uh, you know, <laughs> plus people. Plus, they can see it from the saddle. It's so big. The letters are so big on the street that they can see it from the satellites. Yeah. You know, that's what's so crazy. That that's what's so crazy. I was surprised that guy didn't go on Twitter and, and, and destroy the person who did it. Destroy the, the, the artist. <laughs> exactly. But an oh, interesting piece of that also is you you had uh, you know like the, the president bringing in you know uh, the military right and, and and all this in the city, which he and, got shot down. So his own generals and stuff are like going, hold on. Correct. So he's bringing the military and he's putting all like the big fence around the White House. I mean, I lived in Washington D.C. for a long time, right before moving to New York, and he blocked everything. Where, where during medical school you had it, guns pulled to your head? Correct. Yeah. And so he had all this done, and and guess what? Wow. Uh, you, you know, D.C. is like chocolate city. I mean, like. DC is a completely different place. <laughs> <laughs> you think about so you do this in DC, mm -hmm. and, and right, and you could see what the mayor did to him. Right, was to say, listen, you don't have that power here. Right, we don't need the military to fight against their own citizens. Right, and so people, the military is gone, and people stop destroying things, and people still live there, and people, you know, were advocating for what they want to do. So I think it was beautiful. And I, and I think that also too, that's the other point is that if people are peaceful which was the case by and large this weekend. People are peaceful. There's no need. There's no excuse for any of this other uh, militarization or excessive force or, or anything like that. Right. So Right, and I, and I want them to know that what the president needs to understand is there are people in the military who disagree with, with police brutality. I've seen a video of a brother you know, in the U.S. Army, and, and they were singing No Justice, No Peace, and he was singing it right along with the protesters. So I don't want people to get this twisted to think, you know, this is, us against, you know, all the police and all of the military. No, this is us against racism, against police brutality. And there are people in the military think, you know, this is us against, you know, all the police and all of the military. No, this is us against racism, against police brutality. And there are people in the military, they don't agree with it neither. Oh yeah, I'm sure, no, I'm glad I'm glad you're making that point because and it's really it's really to me about it's about human rights, it's about creating an equal system of justice, getting rid of this two systems of justice that we've had for way too long and uh you know the racism that's just been built in. It's got to be like a leadership. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So it, it it has to change, you know, even with the coronavirus it seems like, you know, the testing sites for the black and Latino community came so we it took so long and people wonder why, you know, we were affected the most. It's because pe people didn't even know they had it. We didn't even have testing sites. It's like we always get the short end of the stick in every situation. Like all of that has to change. It's systematic racism and just the issue with this police brutality is just it's to the point where everyone is fed up and, and we're not going to tolerate it anymore. 
Exactly. And, and Craig, I was talking about this earlier too, right? We, we could capture these things on video, like the abuse, but like, like you mentioned, uh, with, with the how many things happen we've never, we'll we don't capture. even know about? Correct. Especially with COVID-19. It, it is something that is also very relevant about how many people die from this and that no one cares about, <laughs> right? It comes to access to healthcare. Yes. It's a systemic yes. issue. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Papoose, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for always supporting street soldiers and uh, everything we're doing in the community and, I'm sure you'll be getting some more calls because we get a lot. A lot of things are uh, happening, and you know, projects and things like that to get people give people ways to to get more involved and, and help guide people. But you just you've always been a beacon of light on this, and and I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, and appreciate you using your talent this way. And, and thank you, Lisa, for all you've been doing. Like you, have, you keep me informed. I watch all of your videos through the whole COVID nineteen. Myself and my family we've been quarantined and. You've been the one that keep us informed on what's going on, and I want to just thank you because I see you out there doing a lot of great work yourself. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Give my love to the family. All right. God bless both of y'all. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks so much. You know, Papoose came out, Dr. Manny, we did a whole thing on education because it's a big issue. There's also, there's there's heroes, you know, they're in our in our communities that are doing things for the kids and really trying to make things uh, work. He came out to Brownsville. We had a, had a great uh town hall there at one of the elementary schools that was they were actually working with the community police officers to help the school and do things for the school so it's you know we have to get more of that you know no we, we do and i and i i do have a lot of respect you know for rappers and artists uh, such as papoose you know that that educates and uh, you know to music and because that empowers our communities and get people to you know to believe and and look forward to another day so i think it's very very important when artists, uh, you know, can help us have the community out like that. All right. So uh, An- Anaya and Juliana are telling me there's a lot of people calling and asking online about peaceful protest locations. Um, also, people asking on the IG Live. So the big one, the big big rally today is is going to be starting at 1 p.m. at Fordham Road and Grand Concourse. There's going to be a big one at 1 p.m. at Fordham Road and Grand Concourse. Uh, people are going to be at Times Square at 12 noon. Uh, it's going to be all over. Let's see. Uh, Brooklyn, Fulton Street, 2 p.m. West 9th Street, 4 p.m. A lot of things on the move here. So uh, Queens, Grover, Cleveland Park, 11 a.m. That's coming up. Merrick Boulevard, 2 p.m. That should be a big one. Mainstream Flushing, 3 p.m. And we're going to check these locations out uh, for you. And also we'll post it on at Lisa Ebers on Twitter and Instagram, and also on at underscore Street Soldiers. And I think the big one, though, today is going to be 1 p.m. at Fordham Road in Grand Concourse. So, uh, Dr. Manny, let's uh, see if we can take some calls. Papoose, is, he's just done an amazing job with just bringing light to so many things, you know, really speaking out. I'm a big fan. All right. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get, get a shout-out next time. All right, let's go to uh, John right now. John, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. Lisa, I'm calling to say that in 1776, uh, we weren't human. We were property. The same system is still in place. So I got to keep saying this because if we're going to create any change, it's going to come from a systematic place. Now, Obama did do something for black people. And what he did was he gave us the blueprint on how to change things systemically. Look at the LGBT. In the 70s, that used to be a mental diagnosis. And now today, it's it's normal. So Obama did for I us think racism. I think racism should be a mental diagnosis, a mental health diagnosis. I, I agree. I, I agree. And, a mental and health disease diagnosis, I should say. 
That's the right. I agree. In order for us to be people, and in order for us to get equal rights, we need to be viewed as people first, because we're not viewed as humans. And that's, it's not their fault. It's just they haven't changed the system since 1776. Briefly, I want to touch on what happened in Uptown with the Dominicans and the blacks. Uh, the Dominicans You're talking about Dykeman Street? Yes. They, talking about my, uh, you're talking about my neighborhood? Police. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> they real quick, real quick, because we're, we're almost so close to the end of the show, so I feel I know, like, I feel like you're going to drop the bomb and blow this. With the f- no, 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 let me get this off. Okay. Dominicans are known as the most racist. The first thing they teach you when you're Dominican and you're young is... Don't bring a black woman home. That's the first rule, okay? So it's important that the world sees this and understands it for it to be changed. That what happened in Dykeman was extremely racist, but that right there further exposes who Dominican people are. Okay, Last, I, I, like, J- John, John, you, lo- you lost me right there, and I'm not going in- to get into this. <laughs> Excuse me. Because to, I, I'm not going to allow anybody, especially on a, a day like today where we had a whole weekend of peaceful protests, to throw any shade on any group and to say say a, a whole group is racist, I think is uh, very very extremely unfair. And Dominicans, D- Dominican Americans, and Dominicans in this country have gone through a tremendous amount themselves. So uh, I just I, I'm sorry I had to cut you off. Plus we got so many other calls coming in too, but um, I'm I'm not going to allow any slurring of anybody. Period. Okay. Let's go to, uh, is it FT? FT, yeah. All right, FT. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in. Doc, I got a question for you, and then I'm going to say a comment, and then I'd like to hear your answer. Um, my question is, as a whole, and I'm not talking about cops, and I'm not talking about uh, the community. I'm talking about as a whole, as human beings. How do you feel the level of respect, just in general, the word respect, um, it, like has it has it diminished? Have we not? Because I mean, so my my thing is, if you look at the situation with George Floyd, if that cop had any respect for him, even after that, maybe we wouldn't have been where we are right now. So I feel like respect in general for each other, regardless of race. I mean, if you show respect for one another, I mean, why are we looking at race? Why are you looking at race? Just respect for who they are. It's just like. As a human being, as a human being, as a human being, straight up, straight up. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is a humanity issue, right? And it happens in this particular case where you have, um, you know, happened to be a white officer. Uh, but if you look at what happened in Buffalo, right, that was a white gentleman being shoved down by police officers. And when you saw the one police officer trying to help him, he got pushed to keep moving. Right, so it is. This, there is a humanity element here where we need to go back to that core place, core place, and then say, "Listen, we are all humans here, right? Can we just just be respectful?" And if we have that mindset, I think other officers will police other officers, so it doesn't have to be the community coming in to enforce this kind of rules to society. And the community also has to be respectful to police officers, firefighters, all those people, first responders, everything like that. Have to be correct, respectful absolutely because, correct. Because I'm going to be honest with you, you can't judge um, a race or a police officer or, or something like that based off of a couple of bad rotten apples. There's going to be rotten apples everywhere. Every race has them. I'm Latino. I'm going to tell you we have them. Blacks have them. But at the same time, we can't just sit there and turn around and just point fingers and say, oh, because of this one, we're going to turn around and, and, and you know, point fingers and say, oh, this is a bad group or a bad race. Exactly. Don't work like that. And the same thing happens with cops. You're going to have bad cops. I got fr- friends and family that are police officers, good ones, and, they, and they're not like that. So, you know, when, when I see that, I fear for what's going on on the street. And I want I want people to know that it's not like that. There's good black cops, good Spanish cops, good uh, uh, um, 
There's good white cop. There's good good white cops. And there are good black people and there are bad black people. Exactly. FT. We have we have to get to that. That's a great point. We have to we have to get to that. We have to get to that place too where we understand it's and and that that's why I had to cut off. We can't say that one any one group is all this or all that because it's simply not true. That every group has good. Every group has bad. Most in most cases the majority are the majority are good. But it's a it's a different question when it comes to somebody who has a badge and a gun and the law on their side and can drastically change the course of your life in so, in, in so many different ways. But I think if we, we come to that point of view where we we take things on a case-by-case basis, understanding that right now the fight is for Black Lives Matter and for an end to excessive police for uh, use of excessive force by police in communities of color and get to the you know, one one system of justice instead of this double standard that's been been going on for way too long. Let's go to Simon right now. Simon, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Uh, good morning, Miss Lisa. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Good morning. Go right yeah, ahead. Uh, I, thank you. Uh, the only thing I want to bring up, thank you for taking my call. For whatever is going on over here in New York or all over the state, are we are we learning from it? Are we going to learn from that, or are we going to uh, uh, have experience from that, or or the stuff it's going to put on the side, and if it's for anything happens, it's going to happen again. Well, I think your point is, is is this going to be a real moment of change, or is this going to be another thing where people get very upset, and then once things get back to normal with life, and they get back involved in their regular daily activities, they're going to forget about it. I think I'm going to vote for this is a major turning point, unlike any we've ever seen. I think Papoose, that's pretty much what he was saying. Dr. Manny, if you agreed, if you want to disagree. I mean, I've seen a lot of protests. Never have we seen protests where you had mayors joining the, the people to protest on the streets, right? So having a protest where you have mayors, governors supporting the cause. Never have we had a protest where we, uh, in, in, especially for minority issues where, uh, in a, you know, 50-50, you could find uh, white people as, as well going in. I see, I think it's a new movement that just started, right? You have younger people um, that have friends from very diverse backgrounds and family members that don't care and they'll speak up, <laughs> right, and, and represent this. We have corporations, uh, you know, putting plans um, in, in place. Uh, I've seen multiple corporations um, in general where people are saying, hey, uh, every black person that works for that company, that you could be George Floyd, <laughs> right? People are speaking right. up in that case. So I think it's a, it, it's a different turn. And I think if any other thing happens on the road, the same level of protesting will happen again. And people, <laughs> people are ready for that. They are ready for that. And right. it's got to be turned into a legislative thing. Let's see if we can take one more, uh, one more quick call here. Let's go to uh, Carl right now. Carl, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, Morning to y'all. Um, with all this thing we're going on, right? Um, yes, I think we see a start. It's a start that they've got to change. We're very hopeful as a black guy, a black entrepreneur trying to do a company or something. I'm very faithful that we see a change. But something that is, uh, is getting to me is that on that day that George died, and from till now all these protests, they're still we're seeing this police unnecessary force, and we black people, whether it's peaceful protesters. Uh, other black people, we're still seeing it, and I thought that you know all this could be seized because of the, because of the reason why we are out here protesting, exactly. the reason why we are marching. Exactly. But we're still seeing this, and it it it, it troubling to me when I had a look at my black at my six year old when he asked in question. That's the emotional part it get to me when I had to explain when he could ask me, do he have to go to the cops for if somebody to rob him? I think should he go to the cops? 
and I have to explain him, yes, you can't go to the cops because the cops is just like me and you. They're not everybody the same. So um, I'll be very quick. Um, yeah, but you know what? That's I, the thing I, that bothers me right now. That's the thing that bothers me is that from since the um, thing with George, we still see in this rise of police brutality and unnecessary force. Oh, okay, Carl, Carl, I have to, I have to go because we're we're off the air in about two minutes. But thank you so much for making that point and then and then talking about the, uh, you know, when when your child asks you, what are you what are you supposed to say, Doctor Manny? What about uh, final word, real quick? Yes, I, I think it's also important as things are happening, with, with, especially with children, right? Uh, you don't want to, you know, force uh, the idea that, oh, you're, you're, you're a black kid, so it means you, you're disadvantaged, and then make them feel like <laughs> they're right, not like, there to look forward to, right? right? I think the movement here is, I, listen, as a black person, and, and, and if you're a black kid, or, I don't think the idea here is you should change your life based on what other, another person thinks of you, right? <laughs> right? It, so it should be empowering those kids, give them the tools to become whatever they want to become, as opposed to making them feel like bad and, and feel guilty about their skin color. Exactly. And giving them that strength and that love so Correct. that they know exactly. they can do anything anyone else can do. do. Correct. Regardless of, of where they're from. Well, Dr. Manny, I want to thank you so very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Also, thanks to our special guest, Papoose, and also our other guests, uh, Charles Tucker Jr., attorney, uh, Tucker Moore Law Group, and New York State Assemblyman Michael Blake. Uh, he will be out at that march, the big march that's happening at one o'clock at Fordham Road and Grand Concourse in the Bronx today and i want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to us i want to thank the whole crew here at hot 97 the ground crew here jack the mac on the boards and i are producing and juliana on the phones thank you guys for all the help and support our uh, senior vp for programming po farrell giving us this opportunity we really appreciate it and thank you for joining us and being part of this historic moment i believe this is just the beginning uh remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers let's push for peace justice, love, and equal rights for everyone.